Let's say a quick prayer. Set our hearts on things above. Place before us the truth of the Advent season that reminds us that in Christ we have a Savior who has come and will come again. Amen. Well, we do it every year. This whole December Christmas preparation. And so I'm just going to ask a very um, personal question, and you don't have to give me your, your intimate thoughts now, but I am going to ask, what is it that you are hoping for this Christmas? Have you thought about it? Now the kids, that goes without saying. I'm a kid too, I think. But if you ask a kid, what is it that you're hoping for this Christmas? All the eyes start to get big. And the dreams start to be explained. And it usually involves the accumulation of a number of pretty awesome presents. Right? Black Friday did not help. Because if you were like me and you go to your mailbox on the week before Black Friday or if you just open up your inbox and your email and you get every couple of hours these amazing deals that are out there all the stores are really trying to promote what would make for a very happy and merry Christmas and it involves getting stuff and so kids get the ideas right and so what is it that you really want for Christmas I want stuff but make sure it's the right stuff But that's not all kids want. Moms just want a clean house. Dads don't want to screw up the dinner. Moms and dads want a day off of work. Moms and dads that have children living at home or children coming from outside want the siblings to get along. And we finally just want to make it through the holidays. And that's just the basic stuff. But now I really want to ask again, because I think that we can all admit, even though we don't want to, that every December season, we're hoping for something. No, we're longing for something. I mentioned in our Bible study this morning that it is actually a proven fact that December is the most difficult month of the year. Anyone who studies mental health will tell you it's December because everyone enters into December with the inundation of the Christmas preparation. It's the 30 Hallmark movies in 30 days type stuff. It's the walking into Hobby Lobby and seeing Santa apparently already arrived. It's, it's going to the mall and seeing discounts everywhere. It's turning on the television and seeing these commercials which are depicting perfect families sitting around the table. And everyone's smiling and they're happy. 
And then there's the commercial where if you just keep looking outside enough, eventually you'll see a new car waiting out there with a big bow. And the amazing thing is, is that that car with the big bow got in there and there are no tracks through the snow and no snow accumulated on the car. It just appears. But, but what are we getting at? We, we start longing for things that we feel are going to make our life better and happier. And whether we realize it or not, we buy into the dream. And we tell ourselves that maybe this is the year. Maybe it's 2018. Maybe it's now when that negative trend at work, it's just going to get turned around and I'm going to be seen for who I am. I'm going to make some great strides. And that relationship problem that I have with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my husband, my wife, my child, my friend, we're going to repair the problems. And we start setting our hopes on these things because the world is telling us that's what the Christmas spirit is supposed to do. And we long for it until it doesn't happen. And then you realize that there's a very narrow line between hopes and fears. Which is what we're talking about today. At the intersection of hope and fear, we're going to come together and we're going to see our Savior. You see, fear is a real thing. The whole reason we have hopes is because we're trying to avoid the alternative. We're trying to avoid not feeling like we are right in life. And when we realize that we aren't right in life, it generates fear and concern and failure. But there, at the intersection of hope and fear, we find ourselves at a Christmas crossroads, and there we find our Savior. So today and in the coming Sundays, we're going to talk about what that means. Today, at the intersection of hope and fear, we are reminded that He, that is Jesus, He shows up. We'll talk about what that means in just a second. I'm going to direct you now to to Luke chapter 3. It's printed for you in your worship folder. And it might surprise you that these words don't speak about Christmas, but they actually speak about after Jesus was born. In fact, many years after he was born. But they serve well to prepare us for Christmas. This is what it says. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, A voice of one calling in the desert, 
Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. It's the word of our Lord. So this is Luke, one of the most detailed authors in all of Scripture, explaining to us not what happened at Jesus' birth, but it actually fast-forwards it, like I mentioned before, about 30 years after Jesus' birth. But you have to remember, when Jesus was born, there were some amazing circumstances, but he wasn't public figure at that point. And we'll talk about that as we go through this church here. Sure, he was announced by the angels, and he was worshipped by the Magi, but he grew up in relative obscurity. But it wasn't until he became around 30 years old that he became his, began his public ministry, and in order for that to really mean as much as it needed to mean, he had John the Baptist prepare the way for him. And John the Baptist's message was this, everything you've been hoping for and everything that kind of makes you fearful, it's going to come together in the one who is coming after me, Jesus. And so what does he do? He deals with our false hopes by setting our hearts on the true hope. See, hope is only as good as the foundation upon which it rests. You might hope for that new car to be out in front of your house. You check your bank account. Is that a reality? You might hope for the perfect Norman Rockwell family dinner. But you tell me about the relationship status with you and your sister or brother or the son or daughter that's not talking with you. And so all of a sudden, we realize we can hope for anything we want, but if it's not based in reality, if it's not based on a foundation, it's not going to get us anywhere. And this is where Luke, the great doctor, attention to detail, what does he do? He starts off with all of this information. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, why is he saying this? Because he wants you to go back and check the history books. He's saying, if you don't think this happened, if you don't think that what I'm about to tell you is based on reality, go back and check the books. You can go back to the reign of Tiberius Caesar. And I want you to think about Pontius Pilate when he was governor. And then Herod and all of his brothers were taking care of their jurisdictions. You see, he's setting it on reality. He's saying when all of those things came into place, in the reality of that historical context... John the Baptist has a message for you. At the intersection of hope and fear, your Savior comes to you. And he comes to fulfill your hopes. You see, it's an amazing thing, he says. The Savior is not going to come and make it snow in a very perfect pattern on your Christmas morning. 
but he's going to deal with something even more important. He's going to deal with what really makes you fearful. He's going to deal with your sin. So John the Baptist says, because you have a Savior who is coming and is going to deal with your sin, let's finally deal with the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is, your lives are not perfect. And it's your fault. Okay, now that we got that off our chest, John the Baptist is saying, we can deal with it. Let's make the path straight. What does he say? He says, a voice is of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Jesus is on his way. That's what Christmas is all about, is celebrating the coming of Christ. And yet between me and him, there's a chasm full of sin and a mountain of sinfulness that mean we have obstacles. And so John the Baptist is saying, let's all just admit the real problem here. The real problem is, from the moment we were born, we've heaped up imperfection upon imperfection and we've dug in, dug in, oh my goodness, we've dug holes with our sinfulness. And so we can admit it now. We're free to admit our failures and our faults, and we're free even to say our greatest hope of all is that I can celebrate Christmas and know that I'm at peace with God. To which John says, absolutely. Absolutely, because your greatest fear and your greatest need, that of having a Savior who will once and for all make you right with God and cleanse your conscience and forgive you of those sins that haunt you on a day-to-day basis so that when you look in the mirror and the mirror is accusing you saying, I can't believe that you blew it again. I can't believe that you destroyed that relationship. I can't believe that you, you, you frivolously spent all that money and now you can't provide for the ones you love. I can't believe you did all that. I can't believe you don't even care about your God. You can look at that mirror and you can say, but I have a Savior who's on his way. Because at the intersection of all our hopes and all our fears, Luke tells us it's fact. Jesus came. He shows up. And he's equipped to deal with it. Listen to the message. Every valley's going to be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight. The rough ways smooth. And all mankind will see God's salvation. Now that's a Christmas card. Enough of the, the jingle bells and, the, and, and, and whatever other carols might be out there. Enough of the trivial and trite, let it snow Christmas cards. How about this one? At the intersection of our hope and our fears, we need one thing to set our hearts at peace, and it's this. All mankind will be able to gaze on the salvation of the world. That's what we get to look forward to. 
the salvation of the world is arriving. For John the Baptist, it was simply pointing people to Jesus. And yet for us, living so many years later, as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, he's saying, there, when you get to the manger and you unwrap it and you let your eyes gaze upon the Christ child, you're looking at your salvation. And that deals with our fear and restores our hope. Because now we become equipped. Equipped to live a life at peace with God despite what December 2018 looks like. Which means even if you burn the Christmas dinner and you buy all the wrong presents for the people you love, and even if you find yourself losing your temper with your boss that last week because he's just driving you crazy, and you find yourself repeatedly falling short and expectations aren't met, you say, but in Christmas, everything I actually hope for has been met. Christ has come. In my eyes, see my salvation. At the intersection of hope and fear, it is a reality. Christ shows up. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen.